Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and phil entrepreneurs of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And in today's episode, my guest is Biet Simkin. Biet is a deep spiritual practitioner on a rock and roll quest for consciousness. Her life and work is a real-time example of how to integrate all the parts of yourself into this unique essence of true beingness. She's the creator of Center of the Cycle and the author of her newest book called Don't Just Sit There. Her message is about being yourself and stepping into the purpose of being you. And so with these words, welcome, welcome be it. Oh, thank you so much. So good to be with you. I, I, I'm excited to, I know we're not gonna be doing breath work today, but it's nice to know that we both do breath work when we're not here together in the podcast. Yeah, let's let's make time for that another. Yeah, in, let's in another do it. Moment. But breath work just certainly has—I don't know when it entered my life at this point—but like, it's be become like um, the healthy addiction that I think I've always looked for. You know, same. I I couldn't believe that breath work um, as a former heroin addict and as a former person who did a lot of LSD and mushrooms, I had no idea that one could experience those kinds of transcendent states with no hangover, no repercussions, no no payment on the back end. Yeah, not even a payment on the front end because all you got to do is like do the breathe. most human thing, which is breathe in a certain in a certain rhythm. Totally. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 li I like our little nerd out about breath work already. Um, let's let's walk walk a little bit into your into your story and journey. Um, you know, you, you just mentioned that you you you've suffered from addictions, but you've you've kind of conquered all of those and the grief that they bring and you know merging i said the path of rock and roll and consciousness exploration oh yeah uh sure so you know i was raised by this really cool guy he was sort of like if you took mr miyagi and eckhart tolle and turned them into one person and then made them a womanizer which I don't know, maybe Eckhart Tolle and Mr. Miyagi are womenizers, but anyway, the point is, is my dad was like that, plus he was kind of a ladies' man. And um, I think in the 70s and 80s, though, that was very common for gurus to like sleep with their students. So I think when I first started really feeling into what my father had done, it, was it felt like a betrayal of some kind, even though he'd been telling me about it my whole life. And he just being around him, you felt like you were drinking his presence. And so I actually didn't drink until I was like 20 years old because I was like, oh no, I just meditate. But really I was quite depressed and I didn't even know that because I was so busy meditating and being spiritual and I'm putting that in quotation marks that I just wasn't fully present to how depressed I actually was. Now I did join a band and I played CBGBs at the age of 16 and I wrote poetry and I definitely like anyone who knew me would have said, this is a person who definitely is depressed, but I just, I didn't associate it that way. I just thought this is normal. This is what being a human looks like, mm. you know? My mother died when I was six. My grandmother died two weeks later. I mean, to lose a parent at the age of six is absolutely, like I, I literally, I was hanging out with a six-year-old yesterday and I thought that's how old I was when my mother mm. died. And just, the th I just, it's hard to comprehend. And as 
I'm a warrior and like a very masculine type of person. At least I have been until now. I'm in my 40s now and I'm like, maybe I need to kind of tone down this whole man, man thing because it's not working for me in every, in every area. But anyway, I've always been like, suck it up, buck it up. You're good. You know, I'm, I'm cool. And so even when my mom died, the day after she died, I was like, this is a gift that she's given us. Anyway, I think I spiritually bypassed it is probably what I would mm. say that I did. But luckily, my spiritual side, due to having this awakened guru father, is very strong. And so I've been studying great uh, teachings and doing incredible practices from the time that I was a little girl. But it was after... Um, 10 years of rock and roll and heroin addiction. I got signed to Sony at 18 and then did limos and celebrities and, you know, became a famous DJ and like all this stuff happened. And while I was doing that, I was just snorting a lot of heroin and cocaine. And in the midst of that journey, I sobered up and had a baby. And then that baby died of sudden infant death syndrome when she was four months old. So losing her was just like the tip of the iceberg of the universe being like, you are not listening. You're not listening. And for anyone wow. who's listening to this podcast, like you're going to hear messages again and again. And my experience is that messages get louder and louder. And all you need to do to start hearing messages is just be awake enough to be really uncomfortable. So if you're really, really uncomfortable in your life, you, you've been awoken a little bit. You've been awoken a little bit. And so that little bit of awakening is just enough to irritate the, the shit out of you, you know? And so I was irritated, but I didn't want to do the work that it took to heal. And so I just kept shoving things up my nose. And after I lost my baby, I had even more reason to go do more drugs. And I did more and more drugs. And then my house burnt down. And then my best friend hung himself. And then my father died suddenly of a heart attack. And those things all happened within about two years. Wow. Yeah. And it was such an amount of adversity to, to go yeah. through. And I was poor. I grew up poor. So it wasn't like, not to say that if you're wealthy, you like don't experience pain. Of course, of course, of course you do. And I do today as a wealthy person, but like I literally grew up dirt poor. So having that kind of feeling of like, what am I going to do? And when will I be found? And you know, who will, and I'm in New York city. And for anyone who knows New York city, like I'm poor, right. But I shoplift at Barney, you know, not Barney. I never shoplifted at Barney's, but like shoplifting at Bloomingdale's and like, I'm hanging out with heiresses who are worth billions of dollars and like spending time in their estates. So it's very confusing because you're like, am I poor or am I not poor? Because everyone else's wealth is like right around me. But it creates mm. such a schism because you're actually very jealous. You feel like, oh, I, I have a destiny. Don't I have a destiny? Where's my money and my bank account? And mm. what's my, what am I meant to do on this planet? And pain, 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 pain. Lost, 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 lost. And 12 years ago, I got sober. And in getting sober, that didn't like, there wasn't like a magic bullet that one day I was on heroin, the next day I was a famous guru. It wasn't like that, but I got sober and that started the journey of healing for me. And within four years, I launched this beautiful practice of uh, meditation experiences and art galleries, museums. And very quickly my career took off and I was being flown all over the world to speak and to guide because my meditation experiences were so filled with life. 
and music and culture and they were much more rock and roll than the usual like i wasn't coming in with a bindi or a turban or mm. i wasn't saying give up this and stop orgasming for 30 days like i was just like go fuck go drink a martini like do whatever you want to do but just let's take this hour or hour and a half to just marinate in our aliveness and um and it was just tremendous and it connected me to the, you know some incredible people one of which connected us one of my best friends jeff and uh and then simon and schuster released my book a year ago and and then a global pandemic hit and here yeah. we are <laughs> uh, here we are so tell us a bit more about your book i'm really curious about don't sit just sit there you know yeah. it kind of sounds to me like um uh, the next step or the evolution out of what what you know we could phrase or call the rock and roll meditation um so, so yeah tell us about it how did it come to to be and and like what do you mean with don't just sit there that title is so intriguing <laughs> well you know everyone's always like just sit just sit and um i'm a fourth way master so i've been studying this teaching called fourth way since i was a, a baby and fourth way is the studies of gurdjieff who maybe you've heard of he was a georgian mystic who uh, learned his studies in sufism and down in india mm. and then brought it back to russia and started like a very strange cult and that's not my destiny and not my way at all but i did study his work and it awoke something in me and what i love about fourth way is that fourth way is saying go get a pulitzer prize go build a business go help the environment go become the president of the united states of america go be a famous author go make lots of money go buy beautiful houses have gorgeous dinners with candlelight with other incredible people who inspire you now all of those things are material plane bullshit according to most spiritual paths But the beautiful thing about fourth way is actually it's saying wouldn't it be fun to be enlightened in secret while you're living a life that is moving people right because it's one thing to be a hidden mystic in a cave somewhere who's found enlightenment yeah. and I'm, i'm all for that but it's a whole nother thing to be mozart and i do believe that mozart did find enlightenment and there's no way to do you know or bach is a better example like to be johann sebastian bach like you are you're not a normal person and our lives are still being affected by bach i don't even know if anything has happened since bach like everything that's happened musically since bach has just been some derivative He's of bach been some kind of revelation <laughs> that's for sure yeah yeah and so that is to me so fourth way teaches that enlightenment is about um finding your highest level of being and then playing that note in the world because when you do that ripple effect Shakespeare, Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King, you know, being someone who when you find that awakening, it affects everyone and it doesn't have to affect them because they sat with you in a meditation studio somewhere. It affects them because who you became as a result of that enlightenment had no choice but to change the world. That's powerful. It's like the metaphor of we're 100% spiritual beings and 100% material beings at the same time because as we're inhibiting inhabiting this body right like where else are we we're, we're we're all over the dimensions but we're also right here right now and so shall we go forth and not just sit very interesting i know that we talked about this offline before we hit record a bit about this you know 
um, the split between living in the dimensions of the cosmos and bringing our work into the physical realm in a powerful, impactful way. And I think for me, that is really where the regenerative movement kind of happens and starts is this place where we're regenerating um, with our actions, the way we do business, the way we connect with each other, the way we build relationships in a way that is harmonious or if you know, not even just harmonious with nature, but that learns from the natural world around us. Mm. What's been your experience? You know, you've shared your, your the adversity you had to go through to reach the levels of freedom in which you live now. What's been your experience between the split, between the out-of-body experience and the very much in-the-body experience? Uh, my experience has been that when I'm not in my body, and I would say my body is the most, um, the closest I've ever come to nature, because I'm actually living inside this natural organism, which is completely running on its own. Uh, my heart beats without my permission, my blood runs through my veins, my skin regenerates without my assistance. Like I don't need to do anything for all of this to just be happening. So to me, this is like the most incredible natural organism to begin the practice with. You know, I even, I started just trying by cooking like root vegetables, which really does help. It helps to connect with earth. But I found that even root vegetables were one step removed from my actual body. Like my body is the first step in, in entering into the body. I found that when I wasn't embodied, I often got what I would call depressed. I felt like depression would come at me and I didn't have a choice about it. And um, back then I used heroin and food and um, sex and uh, flirting and gossiping. I mean, the list is long of things I used, but I used things to buffer that feeling of depression. And what's happened as I become more and more embodied, it's not that I don't feel great sadness sometimes, I do. It's just that um, I'm allowed to feel sadness as an embodied being. Mm. Sadness isn't off the table. And I think this is really important for people who are looking for something is when I was coming up in looking for enlightenment, I really was told there was going to be a, an end point where I would become like Muhammad or Jesus. I was just waiting for that day. So every time I would get depressed or every time I would feel rejected or sad as a person who I'm very uh, ambitious. And so I've gone from poor to wealthy. I've gone from obscurity to fame. And like that, that doesn't happen without massive amounts of pain. And for anyone who's done you know, you've done a lot of this stuff yourself. So, you know, it's like, not everyone's going to be a yes. Not everyone's going to love you. And I've had so many people just be like, whatever about me. And I'm a sensitive girl. And so when that would happen, I would just break down and it's never going to happen. No one's going to get it. Who am I anyway? I'm mm. worthless, blah, blah, blah. And some of this stuff was conscious. Others, some of it wasn't conscious. But the, the, the final takeaway was that whenever I would feel sadness, I would think, that's it. See, I'm not an awakened teacher. I, I'm lying to everyone. I'm sad. And I would go into these dark places because I was hiding something. I felt like I was hiding something from the world. And so I went deeper and deeper on the quest. And what I've really come to find is that enlightenment isn't a final destination. It really is 
um, you know, a privilege. I've had so many white light experiences in my life, many of which happened with no drugs or alcohol attached to my body, none. And so, you know, while that is something that already happened and who gives a shit about things that are in the past, that makes a person, it, it changes a person's level of being forever. However, uh, like my friend Arjuna explains that enlightenment is actually a four wheel process, right? So the first part of the wheel is enlightenment, right? So you feel enlightened, you feel, oh my God, I remember the meaning of it all. I remember that we're all one. You stare at a wall and you say, why have I not talked to you before? I, wow, we're all one unified field. And you remember who you are on a visceral level, on a physical, mental, spiritual, guttural, instinctive, every level that you can have, you, you know. And then that turns into creative energy. So enlightenment actually turns into creative energy. So then that's followed by a thirst. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to make something. Oh God, I know I'm supposed to do something. And then you start flowing with creative flow. So for some people that's music, for some people that's writing, for some people that's a business, for some people that's an app, for some people that's um, you know, a country club. Like, I don't know, but it's, it's a creative flow. And then once you're done with that, you move into what is called accomplishment. And I don't know about you, but accomplishment does not feel spiritual to me. Mm. It means spreadsheets. It means order. It means hiring people. It means building something. It means having a social network platform. It means things that really are quite the opposite and an antithesis of enlightenment. And then that's followed by, get this, humility. So that's when you're followed by either bad news or things not going the way you'd like or not getting the results 100% the way you want them and feeling like you're a worthless piece of crap. And as soon as you really fall into that deep deliciousness of being a worthless piece of crap, an empty bozo on the bus, just like everyone else, what am I doing here? It's that humility that brings you back to enlightenment. But you have to crumble and become nothing again to find enlightenment again. And then you find enlightenment again Oh, and we all know enlightenment. We just talked about it. And then that's followed by creative flow. That's followed by achievement and achievements followed by humility and humility is followed by enlightenment. And the circle just keeps going and going. And to me, I used to feel whenever I would hit humility, I felt like I was a nothing and I had no right to be sharing these messages with the world when who am I and I'm so small. And I realized along my journey that actually being small and being nothing is one of the most phenomenal aspects of being a human being and being like even the whole universe came out of blackness it came out mm. of nothing and so that is where all things are born and the more you can soften into that nothingness into that death the more you'll have an easier flow and so enlightenment started becoming a much more readily available state for me because i was so much more easily knowing which part of the cycle i was in mm. and what i needed to do surrendered to the cycle as well you know that makes me think of like music as a metaphor because even as a um you know a professional musician someone who's maybe admired for how good they sing or how powerful their voice is you will not hit every note all the time but the yeah. difference is that if you know what you're doing you keep going and you hit the next note 
right? Yeah. Because you can't stop at the last note and crumble and be like, sorry, the concert is over, everyone. I just didn't hit a note. But you, you actually understand that this is part of the, the cyclical nature of how sound comes through your body or how an experience is being made. But we just, we, we can't stop at one point and let that point identify the wholeness of the experience. No, I think that's actually a Miles Davis quote. I think he says the, the oh, wow. quality of a musician is defined by not the, something like the, the note they play right after the bad note. Interesting. I didn't know that, but I, I'm definitely going to look it up because I'm going to quote him on that. But yet I have another um, question for you, and that is about trust. And, uh, you know, I'm on a, a bit of a quest to understand certain, you know, certain qualities of our life and how they form. And so for you personally, like what is required to experience trust? Hmm. God, that's such a big question. Could you say more? Hmm. Well, we all know that trust has different facets, right? And sometimes we trust something right in the moment. Other times we do a lot of due diligence and we, we don't even fully understand why. And even that might not satisfy us. And so I, I come to the point where I realize trust is a very subjective experience. It, there, there might not be an objective measurement that says, uh, once you reach 88 points, trust is being given. And so because of that, I'm very curious to understand how the process of trust is forming in different individuals. And so, yeah, what's your experience and, and what is required for you to experience trust? Amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah, I needed that extra bit so that I could follow you. So I find that trust for me is something that I only give and rely on what I call God. I'm not religious. So I don't believe in like a bearded guy in the sky who will judge me one day and then I'll get to go to hell, heaven or hell. That's not what I'm talking about. But God is, I have a primary relationship in my life. And that primary relationship is with what I call God. And again, I'm not Christian, not any religion. But I call it that because once I formed that primary relationship, all other relationships became very simple. Um, I do not believe I have a relationship with my husband. I do not believe I have a relationship with my kid. I do not. I, oh, by the way, I have a living baby now who is alive and well and turning two in November. And um, yeah. I do. Yeah, it's so it's amazing. She's amazing. And um, I, I do not believe I have a relationship with my friends. I do not believe I have a relationship with my mentors. I do not believe I have a relationship with you. I believe I have one relationship and that relationship is with this divine source. And I put my trust in that divine source. It is endless because there is literally nothing that can harm me between that relationship. And the way that that relationship is set up is that I am held and being supported by that force. So the way I see it is my husband, my baby, you, everyone that I meet along this journey is just here to hang out with me while I hang out with my, what I, let's call it higher power, right? So I hang out with my higher power. I put 100% trust in that, but I can't trust people. And I'm, I'm just going to say this because not because I also am not trustworthy. I don't think anyone is. And it's not because we're bad people or that we're going to do evil things, but it's because we all have our own motives. And so my motives may not be the same motives as your motives. So let's say you and I were dating, right? And I, and I was like your girlfriend. 
I may trust you that you want to be with me forever, but you may change your mind. And it's nothing wrong that you did. You just don't want to be with me anymore. You know? So I think it's super important to remember that if we trust people, if we, tr if we, but if we trust in divine source, then I say, okay, well, I trust you. So let's say we're dating and you're like, dude, be it. It's been nice, but I don't want to be with you anymore. If I trust in divine source, then I'm like, oh, I guess this is divine source saying that this relationship is over. And that's information that I can handle because it's coming from divine source. But if it's coming from you, then now you've betrayed me. You said you wanted to be with me forever. Now you don't want to be with me forever. And I'm like, how could you do this? And again, so if I put my trust in people or, or companies that I'm co-branding with or you know, other celebrities that I'm doing events with or anything, I'm going to be disappointed because events get canceled. Global pandemics happen. People break up with people. Kids act like dicks to their parents eventually. And like all the things that are going to happen in reality are going to happen. And so the way that I build trust is by knowing that nothing that could possibly happen is happening by accident and looking for the reason why, why is this happening then? I'm, I'm curious and being curious about it rather than demanding. Hmm. That's a big one to, to receive. I'm going to just like, you know, let that sink in and let that marinate a bit. Um, definitely, definitely. I'm all about the curiosity and like being led by curiosity to, you know, from this process of inquiry, learning, getting to know the circumstances, reflecting on them, understanding what they serve us for. Um, I have another question for you. And, you know, you just said it, you have a two-year-old daughter, almost two at this point. Um, if you could, you know, single-handedly or with a team of experts that, that, that you choose, change the education system at large, what would you do? Well, first and foremost, I would bring meditation into schools, non-negotiably. Um, and I would bring uh, also personal, uh, what is it called? Um, personal development. Hmm. I think that like the things that I learned in studying personal development, really simple stuff needs to be taught much earlier in school. People need to be empowered to know that they matter. People need to be empowered to know that we are a we society that needs to function by helping one another and that helping one another is the number one source of success and joy in one's life. Um, I think that we need to learn about touch and hugging and holding each other and crying and feeling our emotions. And that all happens in personal development. So I think personal development and meditation absolutely needs to be non-negotiably in all schools. And if that could happen before I die in this lifetime, that would be absolutely amazing. And I don't just mean like rich schools where like little rich white kids go, but every school should have that. Yeah. And every public school teacher should have that because I went to public school and I literally came home every night, curled myself up into a fetal position in the bath and cried and cried and cried. It was literal hell from the teachers to the actual students, to the actual buildings, to the way that the education was being passed down. It all felt like literally, I don't think it's that different from like a prison. I mean, you're eating this crappy food, you're hanging out with these people, the teachers are all miserable and and I being the sensitive little cosmic being, like I just wanted to die. And I don't regret it now, even though I was so, so, so jealous growing up mm. of children that had the privilege of actually attending a real school. Um, I'm not upset about it anymore because I honestly believe, again, 
I trust in the power that brought me to this planet. And I do not think that my adversity is an accident. Yeah, that's a very healthy attitude to, to not see things by accident, but to continuously inquire how they serve you to become more of you in the way that you're, that you're here, right? I love your answer around meditation and personal development. That's, that's one of my prayers too, that, you know, if I, before I move out of this body, which, you know, might, might take quite a while still, um, we can flip around this education system and we can allow kids, um, well, ultimately kids, teenagers, and then adults to live in a like basically infinite process of inquiry that allows us to expand into more and more of who we truly are in the form that we currently call human. Very interesting. I, you know, a little anecdote here. I went to a public school in, in Germany, which I, I guess on the spectrum of how fucked up schools are is, is more on the like, it's still pretty nice kind of spectrum, you know? Um, but then when I was a 15 year old teenager, I went to a full year of public schooling in Paraguay in South America. Wow. And, um, that was different. Um, <laughs> it was it was different for so many reasons, but ultimately, like, you know, I had quite quite a bit of self agency at that age already, and so I just remember being like, "This school sucks. No one is learning anything here." And so I just every morning I attended to get the check on the attendance, and then in my you know teenage arrogance, I just left. I just walked out. as like, "I'm gonna see you later, guys, because I like you all a lot, but like, why are we hanging out here?" And yeah. And it was very, you know, it was definitely teenage arrogance. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, I think these other kids, they really wanted to learn something there. And yeah. I was just privileged enough that, you know, I already, um, already learned a lot in where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, but even that still was obviously still like just surface learning. It isn't like really deep learning. It isn't like meditation or personal development and understanding who we are as souls and the human experience and, why we're here in the first place and, and all of that was still definitely skipped and uh, exchanged with math and physics that um <laughs> may get me to scratch my head at this point totally <laughs> yeah you you mentioned discomfort a few times and i just want to you know discomfort adversity and, and all of this which you said isn't you you don't believe it happened to chance to you by chance to you but but because it is like a a direct connection to pay attention to pay attention and to connect with that God source or higher self. And so maybe if in, in your own little summary here, would there be like a way that you can help everyone who's listening to embrace discomfort uh, more? Because it is a global pandemic. You're saying it. We, we, we do live in very like weirdly uncomfortable times, Yes. but our ability to navigate this, this discomfort really changes the quality of life we're having. You know, it's not, fun uh discomfort you know but you just want to remember that um this planet wasn't designed for a perpetual ecstasy trip you know for anyone who's taken mdma and like i believe that the breath work that i guide with my guided by Biet experiences are similar to mdma but i say mdma just to, for simple like if you haven't been to one of our experiences and if you are someone who has tried MDMA, this is a great reference point. Like when I did MDMA for the first time, four or five hours later, after I was coming down, I was sitting in a loft in Chelsea and I was so sad. And I had this revelation as you will, because MDMA is such a high, it's such a high drug. It like mm -hmm. takes you to the truth. 
And the insight that I had was, oh, I'm not going back to something horrible. I'm going back to normal life. And I look, I put my hands up in the air and I, I've always communicated with what I call God, but again, it's not religious, this, this source. And I said, how could you do this? How could you put me on a planet where I'm going to go back to thinking I'm separate from everyone and I'm going to feel anger and sadness half the time and I'm going to be disappointed and defeated and, and gross and I'm going to die one day. How are you going to put me back in that dimension? Like, fuck you. And I was so mad. And, um, you know, what I've learned through the journey that I'm on is like, this is the planet that we chose. And actually, if you can't find enlightenment in this horrible place where there's divisiveness and sadness and death is real and it's coming at any moment, and as much as it would be very nice if you and I can have a podcast interview when we're 90, we may be dead. Like we, we could die tomorrow. And that's not like this moment is, is all we have. And so if we can come to terms with that, I think something changes and something changed for me where I realized that I don't think there's a better planet than earth. Cause I used to think earth was like this disgusting basement apartment and that somewhere in the galactic place, there was a place where everyone was just like rubbing on their like celestial like bodies and like orgasming 24 hours a day and like remembering that time doesn't exist and like, you know, whatever. And pure bliss just bliss perpetually and i realized that earth is wonderful because it rubs us it has mm -hmm. so much friction and you know in the genie uh lamp in aladdin it's like he has to rub the lamp for the genie to come out and give him three wishes and i believe that our discomfort is the rub and there would no be no genie there would be no wishes if there was no rub so you got to get loving on the whole process you can't just be like oh i'm all for genie and wishes but i'm cool without the rub you know we got it mm -hmm. we got to be okay with the rub yeah thank you for going like a little level deeper there I, I i totally agree you know i don't know if, if planet earth is the the best planet in all of the multiverse um pretty hard to tell <laughs> from, from the human perspective but it it sure is the planet that we're meeting at right now. And I'd call it my home planet. And, you know, I call it the green planet, blue planet for that reason. And finding that balance is what empowers and enables us to create a life that works for us, that then empowers and enables everyone so that the, the life works for our, the entirety of what us really means. Because as you said, we are actually all connected and mm -hmm. it is inevitably clear from some perspectives, um, you know, I share that sometimes I find it mind boggling that the apex of our Western society, that the, the, the few people that have been allowed to go into outer space in their physical bodies and the indigenous cultures from all over the planet, they come out with the same understanding. We're together on this pale blue dot. And, yes. and so it, so it is. And so that's my last question for you today. And it is, you know, around your dream, your vision, your hopes and desires for our pale blue dot. And I want to context that. So if we were to zoom out on the timeline beyond us being 90, um, but all the way to seven generations into the future, what's your earth vision for those, you know, seven generations to come? Like how, how do you envision us being good ancestors to this planet and who's coming, who's coming after us? 
-hmm. You know, I don't, you know, of course I have like these beautiful ideas of, I think that I've actually experienced something like from my big events that I've done all over the world, these events felt like the future to me because there was this fusion of spirituality and culture, which I believe are two of the most most important parts of things going on on this planet are spirituality and culture. And I actually think that they're very infused. To, to be an artist, you, you must be spiritual because, um, because you have to feel the pain of life and you have to transmute it. The transmutation of pain is art. And the same can be said for enlightenment. Um, I, and so I see that. And I think you said it when you talked about the education system, you know, changing our ideals. I, I hope that in seven generations that our financial system is different so that we can exist in a way that isn't so um, superiority driven, all about what I have versus what you have and I have more than you. Um, but with that said, you know, I think the most important part to me, because I'm not really certain that all of this is even real or if it's a matrix, the most important part for me is that people on this planet still have a chance at experiencing awakening in a planet that is designed to prevent them from doing so. And that happens on an individual level. So to me, it doesn't, I, of course I would love it. And if that's needed or wanted by the divine that all of us find that together at the same time, that I think that used to be my dream. That was my dream that everyone would like, again, take their clothes off and like oh, yeah. a beam of light would shine from our chests and yeah. we would remember ourselves all at once. And now I've realized that, you know, I don't need this to happen in large quantities, large numbers. I think the most important thing is just that we get to um, continue having these awakenings and also that these awakenings continue to create beautiful transitions in the world. The same way that the Wright brothers were able to create planes and the same way that Benjamin Franklin was able to understand electricity. These are the kinds of insights that I want more and more of. And I do believe that if more people could connect with themselves and who they truly were, we would just have more and more of such usefulness. People would be so useful. You know, I don't think Bell, you know, uh, Alexander Graham Bell, the guy who created the phone lines, I don't think his vision was uh, selfish. I think his vision was very selfless, like he wanted a world where people could connect with each other on the phone. And, you know, I think if more of us could fall into that deep yearning to be useful to this planet and to one another and to our enlightenment, think of all the things that we would produce. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I also just let that drop in make quite a bit deeper. And, um, you know, I hand it, hand it back to you. Is there anything else you want to share? Anything you want to um, make sure people know. Let's talk about your book for, for a second, maybe here. Um, you mentioned it earlier. People can find it on Amazon. Where, where, else, where else is it for sale? It's wherever books are sold, but Amazon's a great place to scoop it. It's also on Barnes and Noble and whatever, because it's out with Simon and & Schuster. This is a copy. Don't just sit there. That's me. And, you know, I, I, it's a great book. It has 44 chapters. Each chapter has a law and it can be read in order in sequen sequential order. It can be read like a tarot deck in the sense that you could turn to any law, read it, 
and cool. um, the laws will never stop applying to you, unfortunately. Just like the seven deadly sins never stop applying. You know, it's very simple. It's very simple. So spirituality is actually very, very simple. It's our minds that are so complicated. And if we can finally have a divorce with that beastly thing, then we get to have a beautiful, beautiful life. Ditto. I, I totally agree. Don't let the mind rule you. Uh, thank you so much, Beat, for your time. This was fun. And um, yeah, go get the book, guys. Thanks for listening. And here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one -on -one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one -on -one in small coaching groups on, online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show, or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount, and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now, it's 808. That's right, that's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.